Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. So we are just a couple of weeks away from Easter, and, and, and I can feel at least for me, the excitement coming with that. And, and part of that excitement has to be is that it has been three years since we've had Easter services in the sanctuary. Last time we had it was in 2019. Of course, 2020 was when we were smacked with the whole coronavirus thing, and, and uh, we had the online worship. And last year, we, we worshiped together, but we were outside in front of the sanctuary. And, and that, that was great. I mean, I'm not saying that that wasn't great. It was, it was awesome to be all together. But, but to be able to be in the sanctuary worshiping, I, I'm just so looking forward to that, for, for the energy and the excitement for, for the three different services that we'll have on, on that Sunday. And I just pray. My, my prayer over the past few weeks is just, God, prepare our hearts to receive what you have for us on Easter this year. We, we, we pray for, for, for the guests and, and those that are new, for those who have, have been away for a while to come back and, and experience the love and grace of Jesus Christ to our church. But Lord, most importantly, to hear the message of a God who loves and cares for us, a God who, who, who created us to live in his image. And that's what this whole sermon series has been about over the season of Lent. It's developing what we call a Jesus-shaped life. Well, what does it mean to have a Jesus-shaped life? What, is, what does it mean to have the courage of Jesus, the, the, the relationships of Jesus, the passion of Jesus? And today, what does it mean to have the justice of Jesus. As we prepare to hear God's word, I invite you to join with me at a word of prayer. Let us pray. Oh God, you have given us your grace. And that grace continues to be poured out on each and every one of us. And Lord, I know the desire of our hearts is to fully know you. The desire of our hearts is to allow our lives to be transformed into your likeness so that when people look at us, they don't see us. They see you. So as we continue in this series, Lord, we ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. So uh, April 21st, 1989, I was uh, the spring of my junior year in high school. There was a movie that came out. And this movie really kind of entrenched inside of me my love for baseball. 
I, I, and, and this this movie had has had a lot to do with it. You know, growing up in uh, a small town up in Kansas, we as a family we would drive to Kansas City to go see the Royals play, and we would would do that as a family experience. But but there was something about this movie that that really just connected with me. You know, I remember. Uh, it was 1989, so if I'm giving any spoilers, I am sorry. <laughs> but, you know, the, the very end where Kevin Costner is having that catch with his dad just still chokes me up whenever I think about that. But, but there, there's something about that movie beforehand that, that makes me laugh, but it makes me also think that this happens in our world today. So if you're familiar with the story, Kevin Costner, he, he uh, has this voice that says what? If you build it, he will come. And, and the whole movie, he's trying to figure out, and so he, he plows up his, his field, that he builds this baseball diamond. He uh, realizes that he needs to go to uh, Boston and kidnap uh, Terrence Mann, who's played by James Earl Jones, and, uh, and take him to Minnesota to pick up a, a baseball player by the name of Moonlight, Moonlight Graham. And, and they come back, and, and they have all of this stuff is going, and then, they, and then the people around see what is going going on, and, and they see what's happening, and, and this pivotal moment happens where the ball players are, are headed back into the corn, and they invite Terrence Mann, James Earl Jones' character, to go back with them into the corn, and Kevin Costner has a fit and, and he was like, you wouldn't have this field if it wasn't for me. If, if it wasn't for me, this wouldn't be a thing. So, you know, I need to go back in the corn because that's my corn there. And how dare you say I can't go back there? And, and, and Shoeless Joe Jackson looks at him and says, what are you saying, Ray? And Ray says, well, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? I think that's a question that comes up when we talk about justice. When we talk about what justice is, we easily could get like Ray. And we go, what's in it for me? What, what is it that I get out of this? Now, justice is all fine and good, but if justice doesn't benefit me, that it's no good. If, if justice doesn't give me what it is that I want, takes care of my restitution, that, then it's not really justice, right? But my friends, that's not the biblical view of what justice is. There's a writer by the name of Bruce Strom, and he wrote in an article uh, that I could glad to share you the link to. It's a really good article called, Should Christians Be Involved in Doing Justice? And he wrote this in 2021. And in this article, one of the things that he mentions is that there are more than 2,000 verses in Scripture on justice. Crazy, isn't it? You don't think about that very much, do you? There are 2,000 verses 
in Scripture on justice, and that is second only to idolatry. Second only to the worshiping other gods or, or worshiping other things instead of God. Now, we may be familiar with some of these verses, and we'll have a couple of them up here on the screen for you. Amos 5, verse 24 says, But let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. You may be familiar with that passage. Here's another very familiar passage when it talks about justice. It's Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. See, those are two really solid Old Testament examples of how justice is mentioned in Scripture over and over again. But then we come to our Scripture for this morning, which is Matthew chapter 12, verses 18 through 20, and we get just a little different picture of justice. We would hear about Jesus, and Matthew writes, here is my servant, who is talking about Jesus, whom I have chosen, the one I love, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Till he brought justice through to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Jesus, in this part of the Gospel of Matthew, just got done preaching what we know as the Sermon on the Mount, where where Jesus gives us all of these rules. And and part of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus does, he, he does this rabbi teaching thing where he says, well, you have heard this, and I tell you this. You, you have heard people say that this is how you're supposed to live, but, but I'm going to tell you to do this. And, and, and what Jesus does, he, he adds a little bit more oomph to the laws of the Old Testament. He, he adds these for a, a purpose. And I think the purpose that he adds these is to remind us that no matter what we do, we need Jesus. We, we need Jesus in our life to help us, to, to mold us, and to move us. And we need Jesus in order to help us to see how to act justly in this world. One of the things that I notice when looking at these passages of, of Scripture about justice, the thing that I see that is in common is that justice is not about punishment, Punishment is not what justice is about. Trace and I, one of our uh, uh, moments where we just mindless television that we love to watch is this, this, this really awkward uh, court show called, um, I forget, what, what, what's it called? Hot Bench. Hot bench. 
It's, it's these three judges that, that sit up there and, and they, they put judgment down on, on, on two people. And it, it, it just cracks us up at times. But when we see that, what I see in that show, it's all about punishment. How can I get what is deserving to me? How do I get what I deserve? But, but that is not the justice of the Bible. Justice in the Bible promotes fairness. Justice in the Bible promotes protection and care. If if justice doesn't have those things, my friends, it's not justice. If justice does not promote fairness, protection, and care for all of God's creation, then it is not justice. Because there's a second important part about justice. Justice restores right relationship with God and with others. That is what justice is about. It is about restoration. It is about taking what was once broken and fixing it. You know, we talked earlier this year about the covenants and how the covenants built on one on another to restore the original picture that God created in the beginning. The earth, where, where everything was good, and when God finished his creation, he said, it is not only good, it is very good. But the problem is, human nature gets in the way. Human nature gets in the way, and we start going, how can we make things work for us? How can we make things better for us? And then there is a group of people that become vulnerable. There are people who become pushed out and not cared for. And we see this in Zechariah 7, verses 9 through 10, as the prophet writes, This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. Do you see anything there about punishment? No. Do you see anything about making sure you get what's yours and uh, who cares about what other people have? No. It is about restoration. It is about not plotting evil against each other. And the best way that we can do that is by living out the words that Jesus says in Matthew 6, 33, to seek first the kingdom of God. And when we seek first the kingdom of God, everything else will be added unto us. I think the problem that we have in the world, and, and you all know whenever I say the problem that we have, I'm doing a lot of finger pointing this way. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm shooting out that way, I'm sorry, but you know, maybe you need to hear it too, but I'm mostly saying this to myself, is that we isolate this whole idea of just 
listening and understanding what Jesus is telling us to do, but then we don't follow up and do it. We, we, we understand it, and we may be able to pick out the Bible verses that we like and pick out those things that we see are, are good things that to know in our heads, but we don't really want to do them. Or as Dallas Willard would say, the idea of having faith in Jesus has come to be totally isolated from being his apprentice and learning how to do what he said. See, seeking God's kingdom is about doing the work that God has called us to do. Now, one thing that it is not, it means that we don't hold on to verses like Deuteronomy 32-35 that says, Vengeance and retribution belongs to me, says the Lord. And then going, well, I just want to be about the Lord's business. It's not about wanting to, to be the agent of destruction or, or justice, but of saying, God, how can I live and go and do likewise? How can I be an agent of bringing your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven? How can I make sure that I am seeking your righteousness? So it becomes all about what you are calling me to do. Jesus gave us an example of what this looks like. And the example that he gives us is one that really threw the, the leaders and those that were listening to him into a tizzy. It was about a guy, who a, a, a Jewish Israelite that was walking down a road. And a bunch of robbers came and, and beat him up so bad and basically left him for dead on the side of the road. You may be familiar with the story. You may be understanding where I'm going with this. A, a priest walks by and goes, I'm not touching that. I, I, I can't be unclean. I have to go and do my duty. Then a teacher comes by and does the exact same thing because he doesn't want to be made unclean. And then Jesus really just turns the tables and he says, well, a Samaritan comes up. And I would love to have been able to see Jesus tell the story because I bet you all of the leaders went, a who? A, a, a Samaritan? We don't, we don't talk about those Samaritans. They're, they're, they're these people that live out in this area. You know, they're not really even a Jewish people. They're, they're kind of these half breed type of things, you know, so they're, they're just kind of pushed out. They don't even worship where we worship. They're, they're just bad. But the Samaritan shows compassion on this traveler that was beaten up and left for dead. And, and he takes him and he gets them all bandaged up and puts them in a hotel. And not only does he uh, do all of that, he, he pays for the hotel and he says, you know, I promise I'll come back and I'll, I'll settle everything up. You know, just make sure he's taken care of. And all of the leaders are sitting there and they're looking at him. And he says, which one showed mercy? Which one showed justice, if you will. And they said, well, the Samaritan did. Jesus says, go and do likewise. My friends, that 
is what we are called to do when we talk about living in the justice of Jesus. We are called to go and do likewise. It's a demonstration of God's goodness in the world that, that includes many different things. And some of these things come counterculture to what it is that we think of as, as United States Americans. The first one is that we stand with people from different races. We stand with refugees. And we stand with immigrants. We care for the poor, and we ask the wealthy to share with the poor. We stand up against infanticide, and we stand for the rights of all children, born and unborn. We stand against broken sexuality, and instead we call for wholeness. It calls us to turn the other cheek and stand against violence of any kind. Now, you may look at those lists and see, well, Pastor Chris just talked about a whole bunch of different progressive things, and he talked about a whole bunch of conservative things. But wait, my viewpoint is that this is the way that I lean, and this is the way that I go, and I can't follow that. My friends, the kingdom of God is not about an ideology. The kingdom of God is about Jesus and living as his disciples. And the most important question that we can ask as followers of Jesus Christ is, how can I express love? in this situation. It's not how can I punish people? How can I make people feel like they're excluded or, or, or that they, they're not as God has called them to be, but how can I express love to God's creation in each and every situation? We see that every Sunday when we come to the table. When we come to the table, we see justice come to light. See, this table is a table of restoration. This table makes things right. It, it levels the field for those desiring and seeking a relationship with Jesus Christ. When we come to this table, we are not only receiving, but we say that we are alongside Jesus and we too will work for full restoration of the world around us. Oswald Chambers, who has a great uh, devotion that I know a lot of people use, he says that the key to be a disciple, the key to a disciple's life is to become broken bread and poured out wine in the hands of Jesus Christ for the sake of others. That is how we establish justice. It's that we, we take the opportunity to become the broken bread to the world around us. We ask and we come to be poured out wine 
as a thanks offering for all that God has done for us. My friends, justice is not easy. Justice is hard. Justice is hard because it asks us to, to lay ourselves down and to lift up our sisters and brothers. It asks us to lay ourselves down and lift high Jesus for the entire world to see. Let us pray. Oh God, as we come to this table, we may have different views of where we would love to see justice in our lives. And God, I know there have been times in my life where I have seen those words from Deuteronomy saying that vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and I've said, I just want to be about God's business. I want to be the one to be a vengeful person. But Lord, that isn't even the way of you. You restore. You bring hope. You bring peace. You bring life. So God, as we come to this table, we set aside those things that maybe have uh, harmed us. We set aside those desires and those agendas that divide people. And we say, Lord, we are one because you are one. And we live in this community, this community of grace, this community of life, this community of hope. And so, Lord, we lift this prayer to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.